Hello everyone and welcome to Tracks. This is the official Avenged Sevenfold podcast in association with the band themselves and today you join us for the final episode concentrating on all things life is but a dream. It's been a blast but don't be too sad. We return to our usual format next month. If you're new here, welcome. This is Tracks. We usually take you behind the scenes of your favourite Avenged tunes one song at a time and we're going to go back to doing that next time around. This show, however, the one that's arriving in your ears right now, this focuses on the live show and bringing Life Is But A Dream, this once-in-a-lifetime kaleidoscope of a record to life on stage. If you've seen it, if you're lucky enough to have caught a show thus far, you will know exactly what I am talking about. And Mr Shadows and Mr Christ are going to be along for the ride to chat about the recent shows too, so stay tuned for that. I am your host, Bees, and this episode, for the first time, I believe, will also contain a whole host of you guys, Deathbats Club members who I spoke to outside of the forum. That's coming up a little bit later on. I can't wait for that. And Deathbats Club members have also been hella busy and they have voted on the next two episodes of Tracks. It's been voted upon and decided that we will be covering Afterlife and Buried Alive on the next two episodes. You can expect those to arrive in the coming weeks, so make sure you are subscribed. And speaking of the Death Bats Club, keep it locked on the Discord page for all of the latest news and fun things if you've got a Death Bat, like meet and greet raffles and where to go for your early access into the tour shows and how to win one of one NFTs for this show. If you saw the West Lang one that went out with the Joe Barese episode, it's unreal. I'm so jealous. And um, I think that's it for housekeeping. The Life is But a Dream tour is underway. The show itself is so unique and awesome. I don't care if it's your first time seeing the band, and if it is, welcome to the family. Or if you've been seeing them since they were in an Orange County backyard, this is a special landmark show in the life of Avenged Sevenfold, and you gotta see it but don't take my word for it i'm just a twat with a microphone johnny christ is coming up a little later as are a bunch of you guys but right now here's one of the architects of that very show it's mr m shadows it was all about getting getting out there with no pressure um i think one of the things that you know with social media and like it's so easy to follow these things and one thing i do have to stay away from i've seen now um, with our Discord, you know, you have all these people that are gathering to go meet up at the shows. Um, and it's just like, you start hearing these personal stories of like, oh, I'm flying over from Sweden and staying at this Airbnb for a week. And then it's my first, sh- and like, it starts adding this pressure on of like, oh my God, like you start seeing, you know, you really have to stay away from individual stories and like in mass consumption, because then you start like, worrying about things. And so Vegas was really 
you know, it was supposed to be a smaller show. It got a little larger, but the good thing about it was that it was announced so close to the show that there was no, no sort of like, I guess, responsibility of like, you know, you're going to, if something happens, you're totally going to ruin these people's time. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And so I think one thing that I have to do and I've, I've noticed is like, you really have to stay away from all that and just try to keep the pressure off and try to just go do what you do, have fun. Um, it's not that important. It's important, but it's not, it's gotta be yeah. fun. It's gotta be, you know, just, um, you gotta go have fun too, or it's not worth it. And so Vegas was a, a good example of, it got a little out of control, but I was expecting that. And you have to just work through that. But I'm so glad we did Vegas and then Rockville and, um, Sonic Temple because they really were getting the ring rust off. They were really like every show was just a little better. And you're figuring out a couple more things and seeing where yeah. the problem issues are. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's it's not necessarily like riding a bike. It is and it's not. You know, there's things that, oh, I used to be a little better at that. I need to get better at that. Or that feels good, but that doesn't. So, yeah, it was fun. Can I ask, because the production is something special, I think. Um, how does all of that start to come to pass? Because like bizarrely, I had this conversation with Richard from Ramstein way back when, and he's like, it is what you'd imagine, just drawing on a napkin and before you know it, it exists. So how does the Life is But a Dream show come to be? Yeah, it's, it's sort of that. It's definitely that. And then it's also trying to like figure out which norms you can break and then what norms are there for a reason. Looking at lots of shows and seeing things that you like and then things that you don't like, things that are cool, but then also being really aware of what your budget is so that you don't want to be like crazy idea, but it's like the light version. It's really a balance of like, let's do a few things really good. And then figure out what those things are. And then also work with the set list and figure out how you want people to leave the show and how you want them to be presented into the show. And then what you're trying to say. Like, are you trying to say anything at the live show or are you just trying to let people have a good time? Um, are you trying to promote the new record? Is there a vibe or are you just trying to do a rock show? There's a lot of things that go into it. And then what falls out of that is, well, what, do we need on stage to get that across? And so what we settled on was, you know, a combination of very advanced in terms of the tech and the projection mapping, but very simple and clean. And then we also wanted to um, try to relate that sort of feeling of ups and downs and dread that the record has with the overall live show. So we didn't really want it to be a celebration. We wanted it to be something um, where you're kind of always kept off balance. And there's some familiarity, but then there's some things that are maybe awkward. And then we want you to leave and kind of go, what was that? And so, you know, without going into too much detail, because I, I like that people have to kind of think about it themselves, about how they felt or how they feel. Um, we're just trying to put a little twist, our own little twist on this particular album cycle with everything that's happening live. Now I know this might sound crazy, but I've smelled the plastic daisies and it seems we've found 
ourselves in what you're doing with video walls and particularly within Mattel I thought was just so striking on a on a visual front and it, it just shows how far live shows have come from the days of like when bands had inflatables and shit like that and you thought like a, a fancy backdrop changing was like the thing yeah and that's um you know we grew up loving the backdrop change right iron maiden has so many great backdrops and it's beautiful and it's cool um and we definitely went down the route of um backdrop changes and then we went through more of like a 3d like with the gates of fire and nightmare and then we also that's a more of an alice cooper-esque show you know with like the guy hanging himself in the beginning and um and then we went to inflatables because you could make a lot of them and they look really good um and then we you know and then but then like on this one we were just like you know the way jordan put it our production manager he said yeah, you don't really want to go to the heavy metal junkyard and just pull out all the tricks. And that's like, you know, like, oh, let's have fire on this and let's do an inflatable on that. And then let's, you know, not for this, not for this record. Definitely not for this record. And, and like, there's, there, I think there's something to be said for throw it all at, you know, people for different bands and different eras. Yeah. Um, But for this record, we just want people to go feel something. And to feel something different than what maybe they think they paid for. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so um mission I, accomplished. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think um I think that's our next like sort of like mountain to climb, which is, you know, let's not just like do the thing where you're like, okay, we did this record, it means so much to us, and now we're just gonna go do the, the normal tour. Like it doesn't mm. didn't seem like it interested us. Yeah, and it feels, uh, when I say immersive, it's certainly that from a production standpoint, but also, like, I went and spoke to, you're about to hear later on on this show, the voices of some members of the DBC that were that were hooked up in this new way, and now people have started buying merch and understanding what is happening with the tags and things like that. This has got to feel pretty good because it's so forward thinking at a time when people can't see it and now it's here, it's real. You can buy a t-shirt at the show and redeem cool things further down the line for the money that you would have paid for that shirt anyway. Does it yeah. does it feel good now that it's out there and people can touch and feel this thing rather than it's just a concept that you're presenting to people? Yeah, I think the whole experience is a a niche experience is what, and that's what we want, right? Like we want people, I, I think it's a, a niche record with an, a niche live show. And then you go there and you see the art that Wes did and you see the tan shirts with like this full print. It's just a different vibe than what anyone's doing. And then you add in the element of a Web3 fan club or community, um, whatever you want to call it. And then you've got these, not only that, but you have like this, you know, cut and sew aesthetic of this, this amazing art. And then you've got this technology aspect where people can scan these things. And it's just like, it's, it's living in its own universe and it's sitting there and no one's quite doing it that way. And I'm not saying that makes it better or worse. It's just a different choice that you have. It's not like going to a party 
it's like going to something just a little bit, I guess niche is the best way to, it's it's its own little universe. And I think that is extremely exciting, especially when you're living in the wild west of the music industry right now, Mm. Um, to be able to carve out your own little ecosystem or your own little world is extremely gratifying. And, And to be honest, it wouldn't work if people didn't understand the music or understand us as people and understand um, that part of being an Avenged fan is being thrown curveballs sometimes. And also them being so willing to um, jump into this world, learn, teach, and um, sort of evangelize what's going on. I think the Death Bats Club and the VIP experience are, they can work together or they can be separate things and they could be like, like there's a lot of people that do not want to own a token or a membership into something. They don't want to engage. They want to, you know, they go to a show once a year. They want to buy front row tickets and they want to enjoy an elevated experience for the few shows that they go to every year. And I think that's, great. We're giving people both options, right? We're not saying you have to be involved in this or that. The VIP experience to me, it really lets you touch and feel kind of the history of the band. When you look at the little miniature caricatures of like the nobody video and going all the way back to all the gold and platinum records that you can see um, from our, our past, there's laminates, there's clothes, there's a bar, there's, you know, exclusive merch. There's, there's just that sort of extra layer of comfort, accessibility. And, and if you are somebody that's really deep into the fandom, there's a bunch of, I guess, major moments in our career that you can kind of touch and feel, whether they're the moon man or whether it's Jimmy's drum set or it's playing the instruments of the guys. So VIP is very cool. And then you get in, you know, your first in, so you get to run to the front. Now, Death Bats Club, also gets, you know, skip the line. So they kind of work together in a way where they, you know, and the form was kind of a disaster because it's really, the really hard part is, is you can tell the head of security or the head of the venue 20 times what needs to happen. But that doesn't mean that they're going to do their job and get it funneled to the right people who are sitting out yeah. there. And, you know, I can, I can just imagine some guy that gets hired, you know, in the union and he's working the front door and someone like shows them a picture on their phone. And they're like, hey, I've got a death bat. I get in early and they're like, what is that? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care. I don't know. Like, so um, we're working that out as, as time goes on, but it will be smooth. And I think this is just what you're seeing is like a sort of changing of the guard and sort of a, a, a changing of the artist really taking control of how the full experience is not necessarily, Oh, let that company sell that and let Ticketmaster yeah. do whatever they're going to do. And whatever happens, happens. This is really us just taking control of the whole experience and, And when you do something like that, you're going to have some fighting upstream sort of moments. Oh, yeah. We like to lavish and ravish you on this show. So you know what's better than one member of Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah, you guessed it. Two members of Avenged Sevenfold. Here is Mr. Johnny Christ. 
We had a couple of shows with Danny Wimmer and the festivals out there in Daytona and Columbus, Ohio that we had agreed to before, um, not knowing exactly when the record would be out. Um, so, but you know, we, we knew we'd have singles out at least, so we'd get out there and do those festivals, but we hadn't been out on the stage in about five years at that point. And we were like, it would probably be a good idea before we go play in front of 50, 60,000 people, whatever the count ended up being to have a little something under our belts. And, uh, all the stars just kind of aligned, uh, one after another. I mean, first it was an idea from our management, Samantha, she had this idea of going to area 15 for, uh, an experience of a listening experience for the fans. Um, so that was like the first idea and it was this augmented reality thing. If anyone's been to area 15 in Las Vegas, they kind of know what we're talking about. Or if you were there, uh, even better, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's, they have like these different rooms of augmented reality stuff. It's a really cool place in out in Las Vegas. If you haven't been, I strongly recommend you go check it out. And one of the exhibits there for the weekend or the extended weekend around sick new world, the idea was to have some, uh, heavy metal, hard rock fans come and listen to the record before the record would be released. So, you know, we set up that whole thing. And and then as we're starting to look at things, we find out that we can do a rehearsal space in Las Vegas at the same time um, while we're gearing up for these said festivals and learning new songs and getting, you know, just getting everything back underneath our belts. And then we realized that's, you know, with Signal World being there, there'd be a lot of concert goers showing up on Friday. So Friday night, we decide we're going to do a secret show. We're going to announce it Thursday night. By Friday night, we'll go up on stage. It'll be a quick, intimate show. Luckily, Area 15 had this little outdoor area with a with a stage. And uh, it was pretty nice, uh, especially for us. Like It was a smaller stage, which was great being back for the first time after so long because we weren't able to run around like we were used to on a bigger stage. So it, was, it took that element out which was really nice for us to like kind of get back, you know, get our feet wet again. And, you know, it was, it felt so, felt so amazing to be with a, an intimate crowd first after so long, uh, you know, just being with, you know, a few thousand diehard Avenged Sevenfold fans who most of them had just heard the record for the first time that day or the day before. Was the atmosphere wild? I bet it was. Avenged's first show in years. It must have been bananas. It was It was pretty wild, man. I mean, I was a little focused. I mean, again, after five years, we were like dead set on like, okay, we gotta, we're coming out. We, we know the new age. Uh, I mean, we, we still were in it five years ago, but the age of cell phones, everyone's posting everything. We're like, we got to be on our top game. We don't want to come back out of shape, not able to play. Someone's in their phone the first time ever and they go post it and everyone's like, oh, they lost it. They lost it based on one video, which unfortunately does happen to some artists. And we're like, okay, well, let's do our best to combat that. And uh, so, you know, I was laser focused on everything. But yes, as soon as uh, the show was getting closer, I peeked my head out a couple of times. We had a dressing room up above and I was able to peek my head out outside a couple of times. It started really filling up. And each time I just saw like, just this joy and happiness on these fans' faces that they were going to experience something that like hadn't been experienced in five years, let alone in an intimate uh, space like that. Um, so I could tell that they they felt it was really special, or they at least they got that it was very special to us as well. It felt so amazing. As soon as I, you know, we had uh, uh, Brian's son Nikki was out for his birthday. It was on that day. 
Uh, we we uh, sang him happy birthday before we went to the stage. I had a cake and everything like that. It was it was a beautiful thing. Like just having the difference of the dressing rooms five years apart from each other. You know what I mean? Like we had some kids at that time, but they weren't around as much. Like now everyone's kitted up and there are kids running around everywhere in the dressing rooms now. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But I bring that up to, to say that like we're going to the stage, we're behind stage listening to the song that goes on before we play and just getting ready, you know, fist bumping everybody. And then I look down, there's Nikki and I fist bump him and Michelle and Val and everybody who was there, like all of our friends and family that were there too. It was just like, this is family. This is what we do it for. We're back. This is what we're doing. And then, you know, you're playing a, a serious set and a serious song. And for the most part, we don't, ta- you know, we don't take anything too seriously, of course, but you know, there's serious moments in our stuff. And you'd think we'd come out like looking, you know, metal or whatever the hell you want to call it, looking, looking fierce. And I couldn't help. It. I just walked out and just biggest smile on my fucking face immediately. I was just like, oh yeah, this is what I remember. This is great. Just being on stage, it doesn't matter the size of the crowd. It's just feeling that energy of whoever's there, being a part of being on the stage with my brothers, my family, being able to recognize the 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 entropy level, the 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 very slim chance that I would ever be on this stage with these guys, my best friends in the world, just the stars aligning like all over again and just like being like, wow, this is really happening. And it's after it's been so long for me, it was just like oh yeah, this is my purpose. This is what I, this is what I get off on. This is what I feed on. This is what I'm good at. This is, you know, I couldn't have been happier about that. And being in Las Vegas for that weekend, Las Vegas is the fucking best place like ever. I, I, my Raiders went there. I'm going there someday. I just, I've always loved Las Vegas. And to have that be our first intimate show back after five years was just, it was just perfect. I love Las Vegas as well. I'm just not sure if Las Vegas loves me or not. It just depends on what what (laughs) I have turned up or not. You played that intimate show in Las Vegas. And of course, shout out to everyone at DWP. There was a couple of Wimmer festivals in there. But the show at the Forum felt like the real start of the Life is But a Dream album tour cycle with the production mm-hmm. and with the, the bells and whistles and shout out to the co-defendants and Falling in Reverse for rounding out the bill on the night. Uh, yeah. It was a really special thing. And I didn't realise that you guys had never played the Forum before either. That's wild to me, uh, like being a California band and it being like one of the big arenas here. So talk me through how much had gone into the production and the the tour that is going around the world for the next year or so no man there's so many layers to that like it's awesome yeah first time ever playing the forum we were supposed to play the forum back in 2018 uh, and unfortunately we were we had to cancel that tour that we had with the uh, profits of rage so we had to come back and, and make up for it yeah i mean the process of getting to the forum and playing the the new set with the new stage and everything was there was three or four steps at least <laughs> to get there. And uh, each one was, you know, it was just getting our legs back, getting everything together, making sure the show's the way it needs to be. And you're right, it was, that really was the kickoff to what will be inevitably this tour. The festival stuff, we couldn't bring out everything. It was still getting made to be, if I'm being completely honest, there was stuff still being made. It wasn't ready yet. 
So, but I mean, you know, it, it, there was a lot of things. I mean, going back to even before Vegas, like I said, we were rehearsing in Vegas. Well, before we were even rehearsing in Vegas, we were rehearsing here in Southern California in Santa Ana. So, and we had been doing that for about a month or so which was the first time all of us had been in the room jamming together. When we recorded the record, we, uh, we jammed a little bit, but it wasn't all five of us in the room together. You know, it was like a couple of us in a room, a couple of us here while we were making Lie Bad. So it was really the first time in like five years that all of us had got together was here in Santa Ana. So naturally, we just even had to go back to the back catalog and be like, do we, how do we play this? And how can we get through a set? You know, like, so there was a lot of, so that was the first thing, working out the kinks. Then we were trying to accomplish new things sonically. Um, there's a lot of great new technology that we didn't have five years ago. I mean, we had there was Axe Effects and, and and fractal units, but they weren't the 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 machines that they are now, and they didn't have the capabilities that they have now, where you could literally program and tone match all these things for guitars and bass and and even vocals and run them through there so you get these effects that we created on the album and retone match them so that they sound ex- you know pretty damn close or exactly the same rather when we go play them at the shows so that everyone's getting like Brian will go and play the flute part of game over for instance on the guitar you know but he's he's tone matched it to the flute that he actually played on the record it strikes me that I don't belong here anymore as I observe my own reflection, try a happy face. There's a lot of cool stuff that we did, and that was took a lot of programming. Uh, Brian was doing a lot of that at home before he was coming back. I was programming a lot of bass stuff here in my studio and bringing it to the rehearsal space um, here in Santa Ana. And then after about a month of that, month and a half maybe, then we move it to Las Vegas for a week. And there it's like start to do a little bit of production, start bringing in the people that are beyond just our techs, you know, like drum techs, everything like that. They needed to be there for the rehearsal space to program everything and, and to get on the same page. Now we need to start bringing all the production people in, all the further parts of the crew. Then we do the show in Vegas. We go do the festivals. And then we go back to Vegas after the festivals and do the full production rehearsals for another four days. We walked in this room. I can't... I. I I looked up and I was like, that is the biggest stage we've ever been on. And I, I mean, I don't know that to be a fact, but after being away for five years, it felt, it looks like the biggest stage we've ever been on. So I look up at it and then we're practicing, we're rehearsing, we're running through the set, watching the screens behind us, making sure all the content is happening where it needs to, that we're, we're happy with that content and, you know, running around on stage. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be a workout. Like I haven't done this in so long. Like I'm just... So each rehearsal day, I'm trying to do more and more running around and getting myself in shape for the show. You know, that was another process. And then going to the forum, we actually had a couple crew members that are going to be with us for the rest of the tour that were unable to be with us for the Madison Square Garden and forum show. So we were like, okay, well that, you know, that puts a little break on it. Now we got to make sure that we sound check, which we probably should do anyway, since it's been so long. But I mean, when we're in the thick of it and, and in a rhythm, we don't sound check anymore. Like it's all there. So we got to do sound checks, got to get there early for that. It's LA 
drive back and forth a couple of times from Orange County to LA to get that done. But then that show ended up being so, so much fun. So many friends and family and, you know, the club forum and the for the forum in general, just, they took really good care of us. I got to be honest, like their, their dressing rooms, their, their hospitality, got a lot of cool stuff from that and a lot of great memories. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a process, but <laughs> we're back. When I first started going to shows, like bands like Bon Jovi and AC, ACDC used to have like a big inflatable Rosie. And I was thinking about like how basic that felt next to, like I've never been to EDC, but when I see the production, I'm always blown away by what those video walls can do. And the mm-hmm. production on your show is fucking brilliant, Johnny. Especially mm-hmm. like Mattel. I don't want to give away any of the secrets. <laughs> like, you got to go and see the show. But Mattel, there was a bit where I was like, that looks and feels better than if it were actual pyro. For a band that has um, various bits of theatricality on their records, and as someone who's seen you on every album cycle since Waking the Fallen, I think this is the most theatrical Avenged show to date, and I also think it's the one that captures the vibe of the record in terms of its aesthetic as well as how well you play songs. The show is wicked. Thank you, man. No, I mean... Uh, that's that's by design i mean uh, that's all i could say like we each time we you know as as you know each cycle each album we you know we change up the stage just the the same way we change up our music and change up our our uh our vibe and we we do that to create a vibe around the new music and where we're at artistically when you're working on production you're getting still images mostly for a while back and forth of what things are going to look like. Then you might start to get little clips of, of stuff and it's all CG rendering. Right. And then when you actually see it is a completely different thing. It's like, okay. And now it's coming together. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea behind it is I, I'm glad that you brought up the pyro too, because I like this pyro better too, uh, for, for quite a few reasons. One of them though is, is as you nailed it, it, it lends itself to be more theatrical. Like how are you like the way that we can utilize the flames on the screens and have them move around there and move around the stage and stuff is a lot more conducive and and sets more of a vibe. And to be honest, we've done pyro for about, I don't know, 15 years now on, on every, every uh, production that we put together, still love it. Might come back with it. The, the, the true pyro sometime down the line, but right now, again, with the way the technology is, the way that, these screens run the way that everyone has gotten so good at what they do with, with them. It just was so much cooler and so much different to us to be able to create it on, on a screen and not just a screen. It's not like this one dimensional screen behind us. It's the screens move and they come around a cube style, like, and they're sitting in the stage. Like they're part of the stage. They're not just like these back background 
scrims or imags and stuff so you gotta play that venue in las vegas man when i'm when you're watching the eye of oh, the thing, think about your art just for a second the stuff that's on your screen during your show and that thing like holy that is, shit man that is so funny that you say that because when my wife first showed me she's like oh look at like it was still getting built the last time i was there with her in in november or at least it wasn't turned on yet and uh, and it just got turned on like a couple weeks after we were there. And I was looking at it and I was and she showed it to me. I was like, oh, my God, that would be so rad. And then I saw who's like got the first residency is like you, too. I was like, OK, that's that makes sense. Yeah, 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 totally. No, it looks amazing, though. I, I, I mean, maybe one, uh, hopefully, hopefully if we could, I'd like to do it on this album cycle. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, it would be rad to do it on this album cycle because to your point, the artistry that we that we've created with and mostly Wes has has ran with, I think there's still so much more meat on the bone beyond music that we can take this. A lot of times before you might get how much further can you go? I mean, the stage we went we went pretty far with it. We had the cube that moved out, we had the big spaceman, we had we were we were tackling more space. Um, this one is just more like we're just gonna tackle the entire fucking universe. I'm not looking to downplay the lads' involvement in any way. Thank you to Matt and thank you to Johnny for giving us their time. Both of the lads will be back for the next couple of shows, as will the other members of the band as we talk about Afterlife and Buried Alive. Make sure you're subscribed. But the real stars of this episode are you guys. It was such a thrill to be able to hang out with you guys. I know we're in a post-COVID world and like we've kind of got used to the world spinning again, but it really means something when we get to hang out in person and share this thing we love. So from how to buy tickets with the Death Bats Club and how easy that was to how excited everybody was on the day. Here is a selection of a bunch of you guys. And at the end of this, we actually spoke to the person who puts together Avenged Sevenfold's VIP program. So stick around. It's really cool. They talk about memorabilia and all kinds of things. But here we go. My time bees hanging out with you guys at the Death Bats Club at the Forum in Los Angeles, California. My name is Guillermo Molina. I'm just from Riverside. Uh, no, it's not far local. So um, you bought your tickets to the Death Bats Club. Just because it's all new to everybody, can you explain how much easier it was in comparison to other experiences you've had buying tickets? Yeah, as soon as I verified my uh, my account, it was just quick and easy. Just a couple of clicks of a button and then that's it. So I just got my tickets. You're not used to like the, the, the bar of death and it's like, oh, you are number 563,433,721 in a queue. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's just horrible right there. Just listening to it. <laughs> Brings back horrible memories. <laughs> so have you managed to chat to people in the queue as well? Because everyone's kind of in the same thing together or met anyone from the Discord or anything yeah. like that? Yet? Um, I just met this guy right here. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, I'll just bring him in like that then. What's your name and how far have you come from? Uh, my name is Hector and I come from Riverside as well. Hey, amazing. Locals all around. So um, like, have you have you seen Avenged before? Um, this is actually my first time. Incredible! Oh my god, you must. How long have you been waiting? God, I've maybe a decade. 
Oh my god, I'm excited on your behalf, man. <laughs> so, um, what are you most excited about tonight? I mean, I'm just excited to see them. I've never, I've, I've always wanted to see them, but I never really got the opportunity. But now, now I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll bring in the third amigo here. Uh, what's your, what's your name and where are you from? Henry, same uh, from Riverside. It's a Riverside all round. My brother, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So you know each other. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> incredible, incredible. So um, life is but a dream has been out yes. for a full seven days. How excited are you to hear things from it this evening? Uh, I just want to hear it live and see how they perform it live, honestly, with all the different instrumentation and every crazy thing that they put on the album. Just seeing it live is going to be ten times more amazing. Uh, my name's Kristen from California. Chelsea from California. Awesome. There's lots of locals here tonight. I'm really enjoying that. So you are wrapped in a flag, though, a Westlang We Love You flag. Yeah. Um, uh, were you aware of Wesley's artwork before this? or Because I, I wasn't, no, and then was I, I've, been, I've got so into it. Me yeah. too, yeah. Same thing. I've been, after I listened to the last podcast too, I've been really yeah. checking it out. I was like, where can I get it? Is there any art exhibits? I'm trying to like really explore it for yeah. sure. So both I love us, it. Yeah, both of us yeah. were literally just talking about the art and like, does, does it, done by hand like we're like yeah, we want to know like the techniques how, of how, how it does is it yeah amazing have you guys seen Avenged Sevenfold before yes yes, yes. 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 Vegas yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's the way you say Vegas gives yes. it away yes. how, was it a crazy one so because I'm pregnant <laughs> because I'm pregnant I didn't go to the Vegas but I went to the immersive experience in Vegas yeah. so yeah yeah so you traveled all the way to the immersive uh, experience yes. for the record I came from New Mexico oh my god I drove god. all the way from New Mexico that how long was that seven hour drive Traveling nurse, so yeah. yeah. The <laughs> amazing. Can you explain what the immersive experience was? Because like so many of us didn't get the opportunity to go. So it was like they um, kind of painted the walls or did the Projection. art. The yeah, the Westling are all on the walls, and then they they projected the whole album behind the first two uh, music videos, and then kind of just. I think whatever creatively they would think the rest of the kind of the album would go from after that. So it was it was really really incredible. It but was, it took over your whole body. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like it was really like incredible. the floor was shake. Like that's how loud it was, and you're just like it. I mean, we cried. Keep drumming yeah. your heart. It was oh yeah, great. no, yeah. it was it was it was a full body experience. Yeah. Like it was great. It was amazing. Absolutely. And your future child heard the Avenged Sevenfold <laughs> record more than most of the population of planet exactly. Earth, and she's gonna experience right now too. So yeah. Exactly. First well, congr congratulations and enjoy the evening. I'm Matt Montoya. I'm from Denver, Colorado. Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm from Seattle. Brittany, I'm from Wagersville. I'm Sabbath. I'm from Colorado Springs. I'm D-Pipes, Dead Flanders. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you, man. It's so funny when you see the names and then you get to meet people in real life. So, um, Life is But a Dream has been out a week and this is the first, like, official show. They've done festival things and warm-up things, but this is the, the real thing right here. What are we most excited about this evening? Just hearing the new music, seeing it live. I think it's the best record ever made. In my, per in, my hum in my humble opinion, so just to get to see it live. I had the opportunity to see it in Vegas a little bit with some of my friends here, uh, but to get to see more of it, I think, is going to be an amazing opportunity. Um, I just love, like, the new sound that they have on the record. Yeah. Like, I just feel like with every record, they come out with, like, a new type of sound, so it's like we get a different version with them on every record, and I just love that they're constantly, like, evolving um, as a band, so it's just great. <laughs> and have you seen Avenged before? Oh, yeah. This will be my, like, 14th time, I think. Yeah, amazing. Can anyone beat 14 in this group? 11. 11. Oh, not, not bad. So you're up. Uh, How many times have seen them? Yeah. <laughs> 
I got. I think I'm the only one here who got to see him do the acoustic set at the Grammy Museum. Oh man, we spoke about that on one of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. It did, so, and like the difference between something as intimate as this and a big production like tonight. Like, um, how much? How, how much have you been looking forward to this evening? Oh, I'm so excited. It's been what six years since yeah, I've seen him like in a show like this and. Yeah. I'm excited to see what their stage looks like and what kind of stuff they have up there because they always have a badass stage presence. So. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. So, I went to a show uh, they did for uh, Halloween in 2013 for K-Rock. Oh, yeah? Little Red Bull sound space. Oh, incredible. When was the first time you saw Avenged Sevenfold? 2010 and down in San Diego, Chula Vista. It blew my mind, and I was like, every time the band's playing a show around here, I, I got to go. And here you are 13 years later, and finally, this record is it draws from all kinds of influences and experiences. What's it been like being someone who is passionate about the band online for the last week? Uh, for me, it's it's been just trying to get all the all the gatekeepers, which metal has no shortage of, uh, to actually listen to the album. Uh, you know, my favorite question to ask is, okay, yeah, you you listen to nobody, but have you listened to Mattel? You know, have you listened to Beautiful Morning? Like, you know, it, until you can convince them to actually listen to the music, you kind of just have to take everything they say at face value or ignore it. That's the safest thing to do is just ignore it. I mean, Avenged Sevenfold's not shy to haters. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not new to our community. So you, you just have to ignore it and, uh, and turn Live Bat up a little louder and put it on repeat. Name's Andy Allen. And where have you come from, Andy? I come from Siskiyou County, about a 12-hour trip from here in the border of Oregon. Wow, did you drive just for this? Yes. Oh, incredible. And the reason that we are speaking is that you've come up to me and you have a gift here for Mr. M Shadows. What is that gift? This gift is plastic daisies or artificial daisies, just like in the song Maddle. Now, now, <laughs> I am going to take these from you and give them to him, if that's what you would like, or would you like to keep them? You can take... Yeah, there we go. Give me a bunch. Amazing. I am now holding some plastic daisies, courtesy of Andy from Oregon. And you are... I'm Donnie, Andy's dad. Now, who did the driving? Did you, Donnie? Most yes. Of <laughs> yeah, he slept. It must be amazing being able to share this passion that you have driven 12 hours as a, as a father and son to come to this show. It's got to be something special for the pair of you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've obviously watched him grow. He's my son. He's grown as a person, as a musician. We, we just love the music scene. And to be to able to share this experience, seeing A7X the first time, together it's yeah. fantastic on my travels i've just luckily bumped into christoph christoph what do you do for the band oh nothing nothing important no we're uh, we're out here this, this is the first show we're at the kia forum we're about to kick this thing off i'm running their vip program through a company called insiders um today we're also taking care of a lot of the deathbacks club as well it's super fun to get that access to these super fans they're teaching me some stuff as well today we're gonna let some people in a little bit early we have early access that's the deathbats club being a big benefit and that's why we do that um and then this vip program is amazing we have uh, some guitars from the band, actually signature models that you get to play, a couple of the tracks from the new record that you can play along with so you can shred with the band oh for the first time ever. It's sick. Um, and then we have a great bunch of photo ops. We have a lot of art from the uh, new album. We got multiple versions of the vinyl because there's so many variants that are either out now or coming out soon. Yeah. So some of those are on display. Uh, we have, what else do we have? Oh, we have an arcade <laughs> game that's got so I many love, different I love, games. I love that you've been talking for two, three <laughs> yeah. minutes and you're like, what else do we got? We still, we're, 
tell me about the arcade game. The arcade game, so it's this great system that actually has a bunch of uh, games all the way from the 80s up until I think early 90s. Uh, nice. Basically every game you can think of that would be in an arcade and then also some home systems, some PlayStation oldies and classics. Oh. It's insane. I haven't even seen them all. I went through and I saw hundreds of them today. <laughs> I love it. So it is sick what we have access to. And it's all because the band cares about their fans. That's it. And I don't get paid to say that. I get nope. paid the same regardless. It's true. If yeah. you're a fan, you know that based on how they write, how they speak to you. Mm -hmm. But this is just another part of it. They were directly involved in approving things. They keep so much of their own materials. Old flyers, old pictures, old records. We have uh, pieces of the new album and uh, lyric sheets. All kinds of crazy wow. stuff that no one else would have access to <laughs> if not for the band to protect it. They directly are involved, which is a rarity. A lot of times it's a management team, which is great. But this is a management team and the artists themselves saying, come to our warehouse, pull whatever you think the fans will think is cool, put it on display, take it around the country, take it to another country. Is that your job, to go yeah. to the warehouse? Yeah. And oh my and God! My friend Corey, we spent, he spent the last two months, I spent the, every hour of the last week inside the warehouse trying to pare down what we could bring. There's so much stuff that we want to bring, and there's stuff we couldn't, but there's we chose absolutely the cream of the crop. There's so much cool stuff in here. Wow. And that's all from this episode of Tracks. Thank you for being with us. Make sure you're subscribed because next up, we are tackling one of the biggest songs in Avenged Sevenfold's entire back catalogue. Yes, indeed. Afterlife is up next. Go and check out the other episodes. If you haven't done, I loved going behind the scenes of Nobody. I'm looking forward to doing more Life is But a Dream songs in the future. Keep voting in the Death Bats Club Discord on what you want to see on tracks, and I'll see you next time. I've been Bees, you've been awesome. They are Avenged Sevenfold, and we'll see you next time on Tracks.